Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants, fresh off the first win of the season, and man, what a win it was, a stunner. The Giants coming back from the depths of hell to fight back and get this win on the road versus the Arizona Cardinals and pretty much save the season. Hats off to Daniel Jones in the second half of that game. Hats off to Brian Dable, to Darren Waller, to Saquon freaking Barkley. Hope he's okay. Prayers up to him as he deals with this ankle injury, but oh my God, what a win, guys. I, I really don't know what else to say. It, it, it was a tale of two halves and it was a thriller down to the wire with the Graham Gano game winning field goal I'm pumped I know all of you are pumped comment how pumped you are down below in the comment section we're gonna go ahead break into this game analysis recap reaction all of that fun stuff but before we dive into it make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy it subscribe to the channel if you're new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode again comment how pumped you are down below in the comment section if you're listening on Apple or Spotify leave us a five-star review and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants but Alex without further ado how are you feeling after that New York Giants victory? Guys, I don't even know what the hell we just watched. I've gone through more emotions than one should in a single three-hour game. I was down in the – I was staring at my bleach like it was my best friend at halftime. And suddenly, I'm back, I'm back to drinking apple juice, bro. That was the craziest thing. We were down 20-0 to at halftime. Suddenly, it's 28-28. And suddenly, we're up 31-28. And we're about to win this game. I mean – Whatever Brian Dable said in that locker room at halftime, not only do I wish I was a fly on the wall, I wish it was one of those freaking players because whatever he said pumped those guys up to a level that I've never seen. And I have to say, right now, that team is flying high. Deontay Banks is on Instagram Live. He's going crazy, all smiles and vibes around. What we just experienced here, look, Arizona's a bad team, but the Giants, they, they were going through something. Against Dallas, the first half of that game, they were going through something. They were lacking confidence. You saw what happened to them after that half. Right out the gate, Jalen Hyatt with the big touch, with the big uh, the game down, downfield. Then they score on the Daniel Jones run. And thank God, I started Daniel Jones because I'm a crazy son of a gun in fantasy football. And he put up 30 points and won me my game. Shout out DJ. And look, at the half, there was a lot of things that were going through my mind. Is Daniel Jones, can we have faith in him? Do we have faith in this defense? Do we have faith in this offense? Do we have faith in this in the play calling or the, or the coaching? And all of those things were screaming back at me, no, you should not have faith. The second half, man, right when I thought I was out, they freaking dragged me back in. I am back, baby. I am freaking, I'm excited again. This is the team that we thought we had going into the season. What we just saw, that half of football was the team that we knew we had going into this season. And it's really nice to see them actually show up because you know what? We knew that they were better than what we saw last week. We knew they were better than what we saw in the first half of this game. But now we're back. We're here. We saw what the potential of this offense is. And like you said, you know, really hoping that Saquon Barkley's okay. He was walking around after the injury. He definitely looked like he was in pain. Looked like it was probably more of a sprain. Hopefully he's only out a couple weeks uh, max. Uh, but definitely I'm um, going to need other people to step up if he has to miss any time. We have a short week here against the 49ers. They just beat the crap out of the Rams. They're elite, man. Their team is really, really freaking good. But we just saw that our team can hang in, can hang in there um, and battle back and stay resilient. So... You know what? Having Andrew Thomas sitting on the bench today, still winning that game, how significant was that? The fact that you pull out a win with Andrew Thomas not playing, um, giving him that extra week of rest, that goes a long way towards helping Daniel Jones. But we saw Daniel Jones on goblin time, bro. He went crazy in the second half. I haven't seen Daniel Jones. You see it in his eyes, bro. He like Suddenly, he goes blank. Like He's such a nice guy, and he, he's walking out with his book bag, and he looks like he has his books in his bag. He's going to go study. And then suddenly, this freaky, you look in his eyes, and he looks like he, he was a demon, bro. 321 yards through the air, two 
two touchdowns. The interception was off Saquon's hands. He had 59 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He went crazy in the second half. On a number of occasions, he was picking up extra yards. He got that flag uh, where they hit him late, and he, you know, he took that hit. Uh, you know, tough guy, really, really resilient performance. I was over the moon. But we got to talk about something, Anthony, because there's something that we noticed, both of us, that happened at halftime. Was Brian Dable calling plays? Because after that half, Dable seemed like he was he was talking into the mic. He seemed like he was relaying plays to Daniel Jones. Or I don't know what was going on there. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case. Maybe we'll learn more about that soon. But if it if that's the case, he's got to keep calling plays because whatever that whatever he was saying to Daniel Jones, whatever he said to that offense, whatever call, plays he was calling were working. And did you guys notice something? Think about all the explosive plays we took downfield in the second half. We were launching that thing downfield, letting our receivers make plays. We weren't trying to like micromanage every single little detail. Let guys make plays. They're professional football players. They're talented. Darius Slayton, guys, holy shit. I haven't seen that guy have hands like that ever. Guy had super glues on his hands. He had that one that was out of bounds, but he caught. I can't believe he caught that thing. Drew Lieberman, we, we interviewed him a couple weeks ago. His wide receiver coach, whatever the hell you taught that man, keep going because he was catching everything out there. He came up big in a number of occasions. He's going to be an important player for us, but Anthony, what are you thinking right now? Do you think Brian Dable's calling the plays? I, I have so much energy, man. I, I am over the moon. I can't believe he just won that game. I am over the moon as well. Like I said, it was a tale of two halves. The team that we saw in the first half, it was a completely different team in the second half. Whatever Brian Dable said to the team to re-energize them like that, like you said, I wish I was in that locker room and I could have experienced that because it might have been a life-changing experience for me. But Brian Dable, was he calling plays? So while you were t while you were uh, speaking, Alex, I was on Twitter checking it out, and apparently he said that it was Mike Kafka who did a great job. He did not own up to calling plays, but even still, with the way that the broadcast was framing it, showing Dable on the sideline... It looked like he was at least more vocal, more active in the play calling duties. Even if he wasn't calling the plays necessarily, he definitely made some changes in terms of how he was communicating the plays. He had more of an involvement in the second half. You can't convince me otherwise. And who knows, maybe he's even just covering for Mike Kafka because he doesn't want everybody to scapegoat Mike Kafka. But I think that Dable really made some significant changes in the second half and got way more involved in the offensive game plan. Because what we saw in the first half, an over-reliance on the passing game with a battered offensive line. It didn't make any sense. Three straight passing uh, attempts. Three and outs pretty much every single time. The second half, Saquon Barkley. You finally unleash him and you watch what this offense can do when you run it through Saquon freaking Barkley. And you didn't only run it through Saquon Barkley. Yes, you also ran it through Daniel Jones, but the play calling in general just significantly improved in the second half. So whether it was Mike Kafka making the complete 360 turnaround and actually bringing this team back to the epitome that they were in last season, okay, hats off to Mike Kafka. But it was Brian Dable. If it was Brian Dable, then I, I, that's exactly what he's the head coach of the year for. You know, he was head coach coach of the year in 2022 and seeing an adjustment at halftime like this bring the Giants to a win 31 points in the second half that's why he was head coach of the year and that's why we believe in Brian Dable now we still have a tough game coming up only four days from now Thursday night football versus the 49ers but we have to feel a lot better going into that we'll probably be without Saquon Barkley at this point but I think we'll be back with Andrew Thomas in the lineup and that's huge because Josh Azito I think he held his own I thought he did fine but I'd rather see him at guard if Ben Bredesen isn't ready to go and Andrew Thomas back in the lineup we said prayers up to Saquon Barkley also prayers up to Ben Bredesen suffered a concussion in this game and as soon as Mark Lewinsky went back into the game disaster struck again. Mark Lewinsky is a backup at this point. I think that's one of the things that we learned in this game. Evan Neal still struggling. False starts, holds, 
just a tough game from him, but the Giants did a much better job running this offense in spite of him. They did a much better job in the second half working around the deficiencies of their offensive line, getting the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands as quickly. And one of the things that I noticed, Alex, in that second half, they were using play action on nearly every single passing attempt. They were getting Daniel Jones those two seconds where the defense is thinking it's run before they realize it's passed. They were scheming up ways for Daniel Jones to make plays and buy him some extra time in the pressure, which is something we didn't see as much of in week one or in the first half of this game. So like I said, so many adjustments that you can see from half one to half two, from week one to week two, or at least the second half of week two, the Giants really started to figure it out here. And I think that we can go into week three with at least some sort of confidence. This is something to build off of. And the defensive side of the ball, I thought Jason Pinnock looked amazing. Okay. He looked like a great player in my mind. He didn't miss nearly as many tackles as some of the other players on the field. He led the team with 12 tackles. He had an interception that got wiped back by a dumb Bobby Okereke uh, defensive pass interference, but also Dexter Lawrence still looks elite. I thought that a Dory Jackson looked better in the second half. There were a lot of positive takeaways from the second half of football from the New York Giants. So, Alex, when you're looking at that play-action passing game, right? Daniel Jones, I'm going to give you a chance to let Daniel Jones to really speak him up right now because first half Daniel Jones, yes, he looked like he was part of the problem. He was not making the right reads. He was throwing some bad passes. He missed Slayton on a deep ball. Second half, dime to Jalen Hyatt, another dime to Jalen Hyatt, a dime to Darius Slayton, went incomplete, but whatever. I mean, he was surgical. The pass in the end zone to Isaiah Hodgins, shout out to Isaiah Hodgins bringing that one in. That was a concentration catch because that was a tight window in the red zone, which is where we always talk about Isaiah Hodgins, Alex, where we say when we get into the red zone, keep an eye on Hodgins. What a throw from Daniel Jones fits in into that tight window. How are you feeling about Danny Dimes? I know it was a shaky first half, but going, following, watching him just ball out in the second half, how are you feeling about our franchise quarterback? Look, Here's what I've realized about Daniel Jones. He is a complete momentum-based quarterback. When things are not going well, he struggles badly. When things are going really well, he compounds on that. He's not one of those players that, like, if he's Patrick Mahomes and, like, things aren't going well, he just emerges and can carry a team. But when he is on, when the Giants get him going, when they start to scheme up plays where he's able to capitalize on opportunities and they start to compound them, he becomes a different player. Like straight up, the second half version of Daniel Jones that we saw was a different player than what we saw in the first half. I don't – objectively – two different people. When you get him going, he turns into a top 10 quarterback. But when he's not going well, when things are not going well around him and things are crumbling and there's no rhythm, he's a bottom 15 quarterback. It's a crazy reality for DJ, the polarizing nature. But the Giants show that they can be the version of they can be the version of an offense where he can be a top 10 quarterback. They show that he can be that good. And that's without a good offensive line. I saw Evan Neal out there Honestly, I thought he was in a video game like he was spazzing out at times like he literally there was a play I posted on Twitter I don't know if you guys saw it, but Daniel Jones rolls out to the right side and, and, and fires a ball uh, I think it was a completion. I forget who it was too, but it been Slayton, but uh, Evan Neal was standing there like just standing there and there was people running by him and he wasn't trying to block anybody and I was like, whoa, what what am I watching? I was like I saw it first. and I was like, wait, what the hell was that? Guys, the offensive line was not good again today. Um, ben Bredesen getting going out. Mark Lewinsky was a liability instantly. Josh Azudu, you know, shout out to him. He actually wasn't that bad at left tackle today. Evan Neal was pretty bad, though. Marcus McKethan, I saw him miss a couple blocks, but he was okay. Um, but Evan Neal, once again, struggled to a degree. There was a lot of pressure instantly against a really bad Arizona pass rush. But Daniel Jones, man, that arm talent is there. You see it show up, but this offense, what they did in the second half when they opened it up to the deep passing game, Jalen Hyatt and, J and uh, Darius Slayton are weapons, guys. They need to be throwing the ball downfield, giving them chances in 1v1 coverage. They got to be 
you know, slinging that ball up, letting them make catches. Isaiah Hodgins came up a couple of big times, and don't forget about Darren Waller. He was moving the chains. He didn't he didn't do a lot in the red zone, but he didn't need to. He was getting the Giants to the red zone. He finished with 76 yards, 12.7 yards on average per catch with a, a long of 25. Um, Jalen Hyatt finishes with 89 as the as the team leader. But guys, Darren Waller was targeted the most times at eight times today. He was a big part of this offense. He was the offense at times, marching down the field, making contested catches, taking big hits, dragging him for extra yards. He looked like the Darren Waller we saw with the Raiders. And that's exactly what the Giants needed to see out of him. Wide receiver won de facto numbers. That's what he provided today. He was the security blanket a lot. You know, we didn't really see any action from guys like Daniel Bellinger. Shepard only had one catch for four yards. You know, Paris Campbell had a couple opportunities. Darius Lane was 62 yards, was, came in third with 20.7 on average, 29 long. Look, um, the Giants didn't dominate on the run by any means. I mean, look, if you take away Daniel Jones's rushing yards, they had like 75 rushing yards. But again, like they had 127 in total. That's not like anything to write home about. Arizona had 151. They didn't dominate this game on the ground. They dominated this game through the air. Um, and I thought that was pretty exciting because it showed us that we can be a passing uh, offense that capitalizes on opportunities. Those long receptions to Slayton, those long receptions to Jalen Hyatt, two of them, those momentum-changing moments defined the second half of this game. The very moment that you felt that, I know, Anthony, when you saw that first catch to Hyatt right out of the gate in the second half, I was like, okay, like there's life here. Like th This offense has a little bit of life. Now you got to keep doing that. Um, they were picking on corner. Good teams pick on inexperienced players. They didn't have Buda Baker back there. They had a rookie cornerback on the left side. We picked on those guys in the second half, and it provided results because you have to beat up players that are not experienced, and you have good players alongside them, um, competing alongside them, rather. So in my opinion, the version of Daniel Jones that we saw in the second half was a totally different player. We know he's in there. We know Demon Daniel is there. We just have to actually get him out. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts about that in terms of what Daniel Jones needs to need, actually needs to become that top 10 level quarterback to see what we saw in the second half? What do the Giants need to do to give him more of that? Because now that we've seen it and we know it's there, now it's about capitalizing on that, trying to figure out how to get that back. Yeah, how to get Daniel Jones playing his best football for four straight quarters. I mean, it's a little bit of a challenge from what we've seen over the majority of his career, but they found the way to do it last year, and I don't I don't doubt that they can find the way to do it again this season. But what they need to do is get him into a rhythm. Like you said, you said momentum-based quarterback. It's rhythm-based play. He's a rhythm-based quarterback. He needs a rhythm in order to maintain his level of play, and a lot of that, in my opinion— what do, what do the Giants have to give him is your main question. They have to give him better plays. They got to call more consistent plays for him. And that's not necessarily saying that the play designs are bad or it's not there for Daniel Jones. He doesn't have opportunities to make plays. He probably does, but he needs to be able to settle into the game. A lot of the times when they ask Daniel Jones to do too much too soon, it becomes too much for him, especially when the offensive line starts crumbling like that. What they have to do is set a tone through the ground game. It's going to be tough in week three now and maybe a couple weeks longer because Saquon Barkley's injured, but they got to set the tone on the ground. It opens things up for Daniel Jones. That whole second half was just play action based passing. That's one of the things that Daniel Jones strives in play action, throw across the middle of the field with those deep crossers, with those tight ends running into open space. Daniel Jones is rhythm based. You got to get him in, you know, you got to get him with momentum. You got to get him an offense that's stable. And when the Giants start calling plays that are stable, they start running the ball well, they start protecting well, or at least doing enough play action where he's got those extra two 
two seconds in the pocket, that's when Daniel Jones starts carving up defenses, and that's what we saw today. So that's what they need to do for him. Mike Kafka, if, if it was him calling plays in the second half, you got to call plays like that where you're more balanced, not leaning too heavily into the passing game or the rushing game. You got to be more balanced for Daniel Jones's sake because that's what he requires. He gets a little skittish when he's asked to throw the ball too early, uh, too often too early. When he's got to throw the ball and he's got to sling it, yeah, he can do it. He's demonstrated that multiple times. He did that today. Deep ball to Jalen Hyatt, another deep ball to Jalen Hyatt. And also, I think the Giants got to rely on Daniel Jones's legs a little bit more. Let him scramble, call more quarterback design runs. We didn't see nearly enough of that in the first half of the, of the, of the game. I mean, Daniel Jones is a true weapon with his legs. He is a true threat as a rusher. And for them not to be calling quarterback design runs in the first half was really confusing to me. Second half, they call one. He immediately scores a touchdown on it. They call a few more throughout the game. He picked up yardage. He scrambled for yardage. When Daniel Jones gets into a rhythm, he's a good quarterback. But when he's off script, he's out of his rhythm, things go haywire for the Giants. And that's what you saw in the first half. And yes, he is a little bit reliant on the success of Saquon Barkley, the success of some of these other guys, but what quarterback isn't reliant on the success of the players around them? Every quarterback is. It is a team sport, so you can't blame too much blame on Daniel Jones. Can't give him too much credit either. You got to give credit to the play calling in the second half, to the fact that Saquon, Bar Saquon Barkley just went ape shit in the second half and put the team on his back for a few of those plays. It was a damn impressive performance from Saquon Barkley. I don't want to gloss over that. Like We can talk about Daniel Jones. Yes, he went demon mode, Alex. When he scored that touchdown, they got wiped away. And he went into the camera, started screaming. I started screaming, man. I was pumped. Daniel Jones, I'm wearing the Danny Dimes jersey right now. I got pumped when I saw Daniel Jones get pumped like that because he's a damn leader. But I got to shed some light on the fact that Saquon Barkley proved once again he is a top five running back in the NFL and he's a true game-breaking talent. He needed the ball more in the first half. The Giants got behind because they weren't giving him the ball. Then they give him the ball a bunch in the second half. He helps lead the team to victory. Him and Daniel Jones in tandem get the Giants to win. Now it sucks, Saquon Barkley probably going to be out for a few weeks. I was just reading on X or Twitter, whatever. He just got carted off into the locker room. He's getting x-rays. So we'll soon find out the severity of this injury for Saquon Barkley, but I'd have to assume it's a multi-week injury. This is going to be something he needs time to recover from. So that's going to be unfortunate, but even still, what I don't want to see the Giants do next week or the following weeks, just because Saquon Barkley's out of the lineup doesn't mean you can't run the ball. Still got to run the ball and establish a tone, maintain your pace throughout the rushing game. I think it's really important, but like I said, man, Saquon Barkley, Alex, I want to give you a chance to, you know, kind of hype him up here and say something about him because the dude on that touchdown, he looked like Superman. He literally grabbed the ball and he lunged forward and he flew through the air and punched the pylon like Superman. And for a time there, he really was Superman. So just a super impressive performance from Saquon Barkley. How are you feeling about his performance and how are you feeling now that he's probably out of the lineup for a little bit of time? I mean, guys, we know Saquon Barkley is a monster. We know that he's capable of, like, making those big moments happen. Losing him is significant. You know, like, you're going to have to rely um, on Brightwell, Eric Gray, Matt Breda. Like, you're going to have to supplement somehow. And really, you know what you actually have to do? Just keep feeding the passing attack and, and doing what you were doing this game, you know, expanding the deeper portions of the field, attacking. I mean, look, the Rams actually put up a decent amount of points um, against against San Francisco, 23 points against them. Um, it wasn't, you know, they, they had some success. And keep in mind, they have, like, nobody on offense. They literally didn't have Cam Akers was inactive. Cooper Cup's not there right now. Um, they got Tyler freaking Higby and Pakua, Nakua, who's a freaking monster out of nowhere. But, you know, other than that, they don't really have that many weapons. The Giants probably have more talent than them. Um, if they can really set the tone with the passing game, they can put points up against San Francisco. It's really going to come down to the offensive line. It's going to come down to Bosa versus Andrew Thomas or Bosa versus Evan Neal. Uh, but it's also going to come down to the kind of Giants defense step up. The Giants defense was bad today, guys. Like, that's kind of where I want to start. 
um, like kind of on the objectivity. And we've had our fun, talked a lot about the excitement. Let's talk into some of the things that we need to fix, um, aside from the offensive line, because we know that's kind of an everlasting issue. But the defense was bad, like 28 points. Yes, they played better in the second half. They gave up eight points in the second half, but it was it was too much. Joshua Dobbs, I mean, at times he looked like freaking Patrick Mahomes mixed with Michael Vick out there. You can't make Joshua Dobbs look that good, especially in the first half of that game. They got better as the game went on. The fourth quarter was probably the best quarter of uh, football they've played this year up to this point. You know, had a couple of really big stops. They had their first, their first three and out. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I think they gave up their first punt. They allowed a first punt of the game. You know, didn't love points in like the fourth quarter or something like that. It was crazy. So, you know, James Conner, um, 106 yards on the ground. Got to be better against the run. We brought in Sean Robinson, Raheem Nunez Roche. You got Bobby Okereke. Okay, guys, you want to know who really looked like shit today? Micah McFadden. Uh, and that's, uh, I'm sorry, he was bad today. He might have he might have missed eight tackles today, straight up. Like some of the most, I, I saw him miss at least five or six tackles. There had to be more because I can't even remember how many I saw. Um, there is a strong argument after a performance like that that Isaiah Simmons should be getting more playing time. He made a couple of really nice plays, Simmons. Um, specifically on a third down, he ran to the boundary and stopped the running back short um, getting the first down. That was a really nice play and it got the Giants off the football field. But Micah McFadden was a liability today in every facet. He busted coverages. He was awful in run defense. Uh, Bobby Okereke had a couple of really good moments. He was bad in the first half, really solid in the second half, so I'd like to see him um, kind of you know take a big step forward. Uh, Adoree Jackson, not very good today. He he gave up a lot of yards. Him in the slot has been problematic, to say the least. Uh, Deontay Bakes had that one penalty, but otherwise was solid. Hawkins almost had the interception at the end. I thought he was okay. Um, Xavier McKinney, you know, got to make that tackle in the first half. He was trying to strip Dobbs at the goal line. Just make the stop, man. You know, like, just make the stop. You never know what's going to happen. The pass rush... God awful. I, I mean, come on. Kayvon Thibodeau did not show up today. Did not see him make any impact plays. Leonard Williams didn't hear his name called once. Boogie Basham, Jihad Ward. You know who showed up today? Dexter freaking Lawrence. That's who showed up today. Dexter Lawrence was phenomenal. He was pushing the pocket. He was making big moments happen. Late in the game, he pushed a center right into Dobbs and forced an incompletion on first down. He was excellent. Jason Pinnock had three tackles for a loss. He had a couple of moments in coverage that I was a little spotty. He had 13 overall tackles with, like I said, three tackles for a loss. Um, so I like that a lot from him. But guys, in terms of sacks, we didn't we didn't record a sack today. When it comes to uh, passes, or let's see, I don't even know quarterback hits. Six quarterback hits. Two of them came from Dexter Lawrence. Um, one of them came from Micah McFadden. But otherwise, you know, not much going on there. It, you know, passes defended, not necessarily relevant. But guys, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not good. If you're looking at um, I actually don't even think Kayvon Thibodeau had a tackle today. So Kayvon Thibodeau didn't have a tackle today. He didn't have a quarterback hit, and he didn't have a sack. Uh, maybe he had one QB hit. I don't even know. But he didn't have a, he didn't have a tackle, which is pretty bad if you ask me. Um, he's got to be better. You know what I mean? So, Anthony, what are your thoughts on this defense? Some of the players that I mentioned, um, the defense definitely is disappointed so far, but I'm hoping they compound off that good fourth quarter. Yeah, the defense is definitely disappointing. Uh, outside of a few highlighted guys that you mentioned, Dexter Lawrence still looks like the elite sexy Dexy All-Pro that we know and love. Um, I think Bobby Okereke had a really bad pass interference penalty, but other than that, he made a lot of good plays. I mentioned earlier, I thought Jason Pinnock looked great in this game. He was constantly around the football. Um, Xavier McKinney as well. I thought last week and this week, he's been around the ball. He's been active and making plays. And I think Deontay Banks played a damn good game. I thought he played great last week. Yes, he let up a reception or two this week, but he still had a pass breakup or two. I thought that Deontay Banks, man, listen, this is a rookie two weeks in. 
oftentimes you see a cornerback that's a rookie step into a starting lineup like this and they're immediately a liability he's not a liability at the very least you can say that about Deontay Banks and in fact I think that he's been a positive pro starter uh, for the Giants one of the better players on the team through two weeks so I gotta give a shout out to that I've loved Deontay Banks I thought he was a great first round pick for the Giants and through two weeks I still feel firm about that I think he's looked phenomenal for them so um, and Trey Hawkins almost had an interception at the end he dropped it but it ended up being a good thing for the Giants that he dropped it but still he made a play in coverage, and I think he made a few. Um, There were some highlights from the defensive side of the ball. Was it perfect? No. It looked like the Giants sat in a very soft zone defense uh, throughout most of this game. Seems like when they were in man coverage, they got a little bit more aggressive. They made more plays. But Wink Martindale, I don't think, called the best game. I think he'll be the first one to say that probably in the press conference afterwards. But there's a lot to build on. In that second half, they're going to go look at it, and they're going to see Dexter Lawrence was making plays. They're going to see that Deontay Banks was playing well in coverage. Jason Pinnock was all over the ball. And when they were in man coverage, they started to do some good things and I think they're going to build on that maybe play some more man coverage next week get a little even more aggressive which I know it's like bewildering can Wink Martindale get more aggressive I honestly think that he could I don't think he was aggressive enough in this game and I think that's probably why the Giants defense started to falter because usually you see Wink Martindale balls to the wall super aggressive and I thought that he sat back a little bit more than usual and maybe that led to some of the confusion on the defensive end and a couple of those missed tackles and bad plays but you know you kind of mentioned it there you got to be a little bit objective here you do like the first half was a bad half of football the Giants were missing tackles. They were calling bad plays on offense. They were dropping passes. Like this was a bad, poorly coached team in the first half. But one thing that we can walk away from here and say is that in the second half, the New York Giants became a much better coach team and they were much better at executing on the field as well. The players played well and really it's something to hang your hat on and say this is a positive, net positive here, a positive outcome for this game, something to be thrilled about. This keeps the season alive because as we said, if you start the season 0-3, only three teams since 1990 have made the playoffs since then. That's a stat that we've been throwing around all week. Well, the Giants aren't starting 0-3 no matter what happens in week three on Thursday night against the 49ers. So no matter what, they still have a chance. Their season is alive. Their playoff hopes are alive. And we have a lot to be happy about as Giants fans. And it's going to be a fun week breaking this down, going over the positives, going over the negatives, and just continuing to recap this game and then of course looking forward on the short week to this 49ers game but man I'm thrilled I I don't have much much more to say man I'm really happy I'm gonna sleep well tonight and be really excited about this one be ready to talk even more about some of these great performances um, in tomorrow's episode as well but Alex any closing thoughts on this huge New York Giants win uh, I mean, I keep seeing a lot of the uh, the beat reporters saying that they they saw Brian Dable with the call sheet in the second half, and they think there may be some 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 legs to that idea that he was calling plays in the second half, or at least helping in some degree. He gave the credit to Mike Kafka, but that was a different offense, man. Like objectively, it was a different offense than what we saw in the first half. The the rhythm, the play, the attacking style. It looked like the Buffalo Bills offense. When Brian Dable was there, that's what it looked like. It looked like big opportunities downfield, explosive plays, getting Daniel Jones out of the pocket, rolling him out, um, you know, hiding some of those deficiencies, being explosive, compounding on them. It looked like Josh Allen when he was with the Bills uh, a couple years ago, Brian Dable. So, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say he had a hand in it. I'd say he said, you know, we need to open up this playbook. Let's not just play West Coast. Let's play Air Raid. Let's get da- Jalen Hyatt downfield. Let's get Darius Slayton downfield. Let's keep attacking those seams with, with uh, Darren Waller and you know, it worked. It was a different offense. So even if Mike Kafka was calling plays, I think Brian Dable had a hand in saying, we have to change everything we're doing right now because we need to 
address a different part of this playbook that can actually help us because the one we're using now is not helping us at all. Um, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know how on earth that changes so fast. Daniel Jones had a little bit more protection in this in the second half, but it wasn't like astronomical. There were a lot of broken plays. There were a lot of really bad, um, you know, blocking attempts by Evan Neal and Glowinski when he came in. I saw a lot of mistakes, and Daniel Jones just ran the ball, and he they gave they literally like it almost feels like they unleashed him, like they unlocked him from the pocket. They're like, if you see an opening, run. You know what I mean? Like go. Um, after they got sacked on that three man rush right before halftime that ended the half. It just completely opened up. Like they just they just let it rip, and um, I don't really know what happened. Maybe we'll learn more. I doubt it. They're probably going to keep it quiet as they usually do. But this was one of the most polarizing, most emotional roller coaster games I've ever seen in my life. I mean, twenty eight. You're down twenty points at halftime. You're down multiple touchdowns to march back and score eighteen points in the fourth quarter to win that game is nothing short of resilient. It, it's one of the most insane wins I've seen in my life. Um, I'm hoping it helps give this team confidence because we need it. The offense showed what they can do. Now it's time for the defense to show what they can do and step up. The pass rush, you know, hopefully getting Aziz Ojolari back next week. Dexter Lawrence continuing to dominate. Leonard Williams needs to really step up. And Kayvon Thibodeau, man, you're the fifth overall pick a year ago. You got to be better. Like, you got you to gotta be better. You have to be better. There were times when I was watching him specifically that his motor was just not on. Like, he wasn't giving 100%, and, it, and it, I could see it. Um, so I feel as though there's more, to, there's more to his gas tank. There's more in there. We need everything. We need 100%. Um, so I'm hoping that we can get that against a really, really strong 49ers offensive line and team that is going to kick our butt on the ground if we don't set the tone. So, you know, that's kind of my my finishing take here. But, you know, just blown away that we even emerged victorious. I would have been impressed if we competed at the end there. The fact that we won that game, I mean, it definitely makes me feel optimistic that we at least have the capacity to be competitive. Listen, it was just a turnaround that we couldn't have expected after that first half. It blew my mind. It was a thrilling win, and I'm just really happy about it. You know, all the points you made, I agree with them. We'll dive definitely deeper into the Brian Dable conspiracy theory here as to whether or not he called plays. We'll dive into that this week. We'll talk more about those bad performances, those good performances, and how the New York Giants can get off to a hotter start in week three throughout the week as we continue to recap this game and preview next week's game. But, man, I just got to say, I'm thrilled. You know, the Giants won a game. I don't want to sit here and complain anymore. Like, I just want to be happy. Happy. I saw the New York Giants finish week two with a win over Arizona, and I'm thrilled about it. So shout out to Daniel Jones, Brian Dable, and every other player that we praise, Saquon Barkley, throughout this entire episode. But that wraps this one up. Make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the New York Giants win down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one. And... Let's go Giants.